Guys, people, first and foremost, let me be one of the very first to tell you happy Thanksgiving week. Please do stay safe and enjoy your family and spread the love of God this holiday season. On today's show, you can look forward to me talking about being thankful to Jesus himself. Yes, Thanksgiving, not thanks-taking. But I also interview Pastor Rick Sykes, and we talk about everything from his 33 years of marriage, his six children, and uh, the Love Machine song. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. Inspiration session. Inspire God's people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggled to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. You know what I can't stand? is when somebody is like real energetic when they asking for something, but you can't find them when it's time to pay it back. And I was just thinking today. This is actually like a sermon that I spoke maybe, I don't know, it's probably been two years now, I guess. And, um, you know, the, the uh, I can talk. The sermon was actually entitled All In. Um, and I was just talking about, you know, this idea of being all in for Christ um, instead of kind of that, you know, one foot in, one foot out, hokey pokey um, spirituality that we tend to operate in sometimes. But I like. I was thinking back on that sermon today, and one of the things I talked about was like how people always want to pay you back in installments. And that's super funny to me when I really stop and think about it. It's like no one wants to borrow $100 in four increments of $25. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, like the next time somebody asks you to borrow some money, then you just t- like if somebody asks you, like, hey, let me borrow $100. See the look on their face or the the sound in their voice when you say, okay, great. I'm going to give you $25 every other week over the next six weeks. They're going to be looking like, uh, oh, well, first of all, if it's every other week over the next six weeks, you just gave me, uh, what is that? I only paid you three times. That's $75. See what I'm saying? See how tricky that is? What's my point? Whenever you want something, you want it all. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't want half of it. You, know, you praying to God for a car, you want the whole car. We always want it all from him. But we don't often want to give it all back. And I guess for me, like, I was just thinking back on that sermon, um, you know, as we celebrate, you know, Thanksgiving this year, and just thinking about how, you know, my goal is really to... Uh, try to really be thankful in, in, in my actions to the Lord and, and living for him. And again, I'm human. You're human. It's a struggle sometimes, right? None of us get this thing just completely figured out 100% of the time. But I've been in a real introspective and, and, and kind of like a thoughtful place lately 
Um, I'm I'm still trying to figure out what's actually triggering it. I think it's just everything around me, the world at large. But ultimately, I've been spending a lot of time just thinking about who I am and who God called me to be. And also been spending time trying to really be thankful to the Lord. And I think sometimes we say thank you by being all in. We say thank you by the way we live. You know, it's not good enough if we're being honest just to say thank you. And I could tell you, like, for me, I'm one of those people. I really pay attention to the people around me. Like, I, I observe a lot. I just do. Naturally, I observe a lot. And I pay close attention to the people who say things like, thank you. I love you. It's good to see you. Nice talking to you. And the people whose actions actually support those words. And if I'm being real, it's the people who say thank you with their actions that actually touch me the most. Those are the people that have the greatest impact on me when it goes beyond their words. And what I'm saying is, as a person that talks a lot, right, I have this whole podcast and I'm talking to you every single week. That's a lot of talking. And I'm just being transparent. One of the things that scares me personally about being a person who talks a lot is I want to make sure that my actions are actually outweighing my words. And that's hard to do when you're talking every week. Right. It's like inspire God's people. Do this, do that to whom it may inspire. That's a lot. But nevertheless, I think that's what that's at least what I'm striving for is to say thank you to the Lord, but also to people around me with my actions and make an impact that way where it goes beyond just me. And and that's the other thing I want to say. You know, I'm just thinking about Thanksgiving, right? And being all in for the Lord in the way that we say Thanksgiving to him. If I'm being honest, one of the biggest things that, you know, I try to look at is becoming less and less selfish, right? I I don't know. I can't, I guess for me, I feel like we all have some layer of selfishness and sometimes selfishness makes sense in certain situations, but overall, Right. We shouldn't be selfish. We shouldn't strive to be selfish. We should strive to be givers. Right. It's called Thanksgiving, not thanks taking. Some of us only thankful when we taking something from somebody. Um, And that's because we struggle with being selfish. And I believe as Christians, one of the things that we have to continue to think through is, all right, Lord, am I thinking of other people more than I'm thinking of myself? And that's hard to do. You know why? Because you, you, you know what you need. You know exactly what you need. When you get hungry, you feel it. When other people get hungry, you don't feel it. And so that's why sometimes it's easy for us not to be giving and it's easier to take. But we know that it's better to give because, look, it's easy because you feel it. It's like, oh, I'm hungry. I got to eat something right now. Person over there, oh, I can't feel their hunger. I don't hey, They said they're hungry. I don't know. I can whatever. Right. And so I just think like I was kicking it with some some friends and we were talking about uh, tips. Right. People were talking about, do you tip for carry out or this and that? And I actually think we talked about that a couple of years ago on the show or a year or so ago um, as it relates to carry out. It gets tricky. But one of the things during this pandemic, especially 
it allowed me to see it differently. Like these people are out here, whether it's carry out and they're just handing me my food or not. Like this is a person that is risking their health amongst everything that's going on in the world. Right. They're coming out here to go to work. And I want to make sure I'm going above and beyond to say thank you um, with some action. Right. With with some coins. And um, I just think those are the things that we need to be thinking about this season as so many people are struggling. Um, some people have lost loved ones this year. And regardless of whether it was due to the virus or something else, right? Because we act like sometimes the virus is the only thing taking people out and it's not. Uh, people die all the time and it's a part of life, but it's a very tough part of life. And so um, I'm praying for anybody out there who's had uh, what they would consider a rough year um, and hoping and praying that, you know, God brings you out of it better, stronger. Um, but I will say this. The Bible says in all things, give thanks. And so if I could say anything to you today, I would say regardless of how tough this year may have been, um, regardless of the ups and the downs and the in-betweens and the struggles of the shutdowns and the presidential election and all of the controversy and conspiracies in the world that are out there. The Bible does say in all things, give thanks. And so I think there, that we have to understand that it's always the proper time to say, thank you, Jesus. It is always in order to say, thank you, Father, for what you've done for me, for life itself, for these people, for your servants, for a word that comes right on time, right? How many times has God delivered a word to you exactly when you needed to hear it? And it felt like someone was talking directly to you. That's not because of that person. That's because of God's love for you, that he brought you in the right place and the right time to hear the right word, especially for you. That's because he knows you. You're not a stranger to him. It is always right to say thank you, Jesus. And I don't want you to forget that. I'm trying to make sure I don't forget that. In good times and bad times, when it rains and when the sun shines and when there's love and when there's hate, when there's a Democratic president elected, when there's a Republican president elected, regardless of what happens, it is always right to say thank you, Jesus. 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 What? Guys, people, what in the world is wrong with this girl at the drive-thru at the chicken spot? Okay, man, look, this, this right here blew me away. So the other night, me and Tiff are leaving um, the church. We had a, um, a live streaming that I did with, uh, with Darius and... Um, the team down at uh, Christian Tabernacle in Southfield, uh, they brought me in a couple times in the last couple months to uh, rap with their praise team. And I actually rapped with uh, the youth uh, group this time. So it's real dope. Um, it's going to be airing on uh, Facebook on uh, CTAP Church, I believe is uh, their their page name on Facebook. Don't quote me on that, but it's Christian Tabernacle Church in Southfield, Michigan. So shout out to them. 
Uh, much love, Darius, Loretta, everybody who had a part in bringing me out. Uh, Doctor and Lady Mormon, appreciate you guys. So, um, we were leaving the church, and the thing is, you know, when we were at the church doing during the recording, you know, they feed us and all that. It's cool. It's it's all love. And when we were leaving out, like we ended up not eating, but then we got in the car, and Tiff was kind of like, "Man, I kind of got a taste for what they had at the church that we could have just got for free." Okay, anyway, you know, it's all good, wifey. You, you want chicken, you know what I'm saying? It's nothing to me. Like, what, what you, how many pieces do you want? Well, so I thought. I thought we can get whatever we wanted. So we get to the chicken spot. I'm not going to say the name. I try to keep, you know, I, I want these people, these, all these businesses to stay in business. So I try not to buy, bad mouth them. And also, in my line of work, um, some of these people end up being clients of the organization. Uh, that I work for. So even though I may not work with them directly, I try to keep all things business clean and done the right way. So we get to the drive through and uh, we pull up like, hey, how you doing? And right from the get go, she's like, yeah, um, you know, just so you know, we close in 15 minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, OK, yeah. I I was never going to take 15 minutes to decide on what to order. Like, it's on me. It's no line. It's me. Like, I'm talking to you now. I I don't, I wasn't interested in what time you got off work. Like, I, I didn't get it. She like, but I'm like, okay, cool. We, I, I forgive her for that. We, we moved beyond that. I'm not tripping that you made me aware that you closed in 15 minutes. I literally don't know why you told me that, but we good, right? So then we placed this order and on the menu, the order comes with a biscuit already. Okay. Follow me on this. The order comes with the biscuit. We placed the order. She said, okay. Like, and then I was like, oh, you know what? I want to add another biscuit. This now means we're getting two biscuits in my mind. Right. She says, oh, we out of biscuits. I'm like, huh? Well, huh? But <laughs> y'all have to understand. How are you telling me you're out of biscuits when I'm ordering what's in my mind, the extra biscuit? Like you never told me you were out of a biscuit when I ordered it. You just gave me the total. All right. Okay, cool. So I'm like, well, all right. So if you don't have a biscuit, <laughs> um, are you going to replace it? Like, do I get something else, like another side? Because here, here in my mind, you got to understand something. The biscuit is included. I'm already paying for it. You can't just tell me that you're out of biscuits and then, like, I get nothing, right? Because that's what it seemed like she was going to let happen. So she was like, oh, um, I can give you a cookie. Oh my gosh, man. I can't make this stuff up if I wanted to. This is really my life, y'all. These are the things that happened to me. So I said, oh, you know what? That's hilarious, but I'll take it. She replaced a biscuit with a cookie. Like, I'm talking like not like mashed potatoes, like green beans, corn, 
um, I don't even eat coleslaw, but like actual food, because this is a biscuit. This is a side item. You hit me off with dessert. <laughs> like it blew me away. Okay, now let me say this for a couple of reasons, right? I think some of us have to understand that everything we do matters. Everything is attached to your purpose. Um, I remember working at fast food restaurants. I've worked at McDonald's more than once. I've worked there twice on two different occasions. When I was 15 and then when I was uh, 18, 19, I worked at McDonald's. And I worked at the drive-thru. So I've done her exact job many nights, right? And sometimes we treat it like, oh, this means nothing. Like, whatever. I don't care. I'm halfway. And and look, I'm going to be real with y'all. I was doing it like that, too. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, I used to work at the same chicken restaurant that she worked for. Not the same location, but I've worked there. Um, I was probably, I was 16, 17. So this was after McDonald's the first time. Yeah, I worked at the chicken spot. So yeah, I've had all these jobs too. And sometimes, especially when you're younger. Now she's older than I was when I worked there. But you treat these jobs like they don't matter. And we could treat our career like, oh, this ain't my purpose. So I don't put the same energy. But what we don't realize is everything you do in life is preparing you and it's shaping you. And it's a reflection of who you are. Now, why am I saying that about this chicken spot? I can almost promise you right now, right now, I hope she gets better. I don't know this young lady, of course. But I can almost promise you that the, the attitude that she had at the drive through is reflective of the attitude that she takes to everything she does in her life. And what do I mean by that? First things first, not detailed at all, right? Like just halfway communicating, um, not really into the details. Why do I say that? Because the meal came with the biscuit and you didn't communicate to me that you were out of biscuits until I ordered the second biscuit, right? You then were just going to let me not even get another item. And so what am I saying? This is a person, and hopefully y'all don't take this like I'm bashing her because I don't know her, so she's just representing like this example for me right now because I do genuinely believe if I did talk to her that this would be reflective in other areas of her life. So the reason I'm pointing this out is to make the connection that sometimes we think, oh, this is just how I act at work or this is just how I act here because I don't care about it. But really, if you pay closer attention to yourself, you would be like, ooh, wait a minute. I lack attention to detail in just about everything. Ooh, I don't know how to communicate in anything, right? So I'm trying to get you to see that who you are is who you are. Your purpose should come out. Like if you working at that um, chicken spot right now, you should be in purpose at the chicken spot. You should be making sure people got extra biscuits, if anything. Well, not really. That's not purpose either because now you just stole biscuits. Why y'all got people stealing biscuits on this show? What is my point overall? Overall is this young lady, like, okay, here's the last thing. I got to say this. When you told me you closed in 15 minutes, that let me know right then and there, you was already ready to go when I first pulled up. Now, again, remember, I've worked at these places, so I know how it goes. You cleaning up 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time, you ready to go. Here's the other thing you're doing, you're not doing. You're not cooking anything else. 
That's a problem. Why? Because you are open until 11 o'clock. It's 1045. I should be able to get anything on that menu until you are closed. You're not closed yet. I know you're ready to go home. And what am I saying to us? I'm saying our, our level of commitment has to be to the end of a thing. What did I just say earlier? We, we want to be halfway committed when we're giving. But when we're receiving, oh, we all in. When, if, if she was receiving something, she want all her biscuits. She don't want you to cut short 15 minutes of her blessing. We don't want God to cut short 15 minutes of our healing. God, I want it all, right? But why is it that when we're giving, we clock out early, right? We don't communicate everything. What I'm trying to get you to see is that as believers, we have to be all in. We have to thank you, Jesus, with our actions. Thank you, Jesus, when I'm at work, because this is the job I prayed for. Look, you filled out the application. I don't understand sometimes people who are miserable and have horrible customer service at work. You applied. You interviewed. Like, you probably prayed that God would bless you with this job, and then you got it, and you treat the customers like crap. It's like, yo, like, I didn't make you interview here. Like, don't treat me like that. Matter of fact, throw some more biscuits in there and you spend, you leave work 10 minutes late because that's how much the customers matter or that's how much it matters to give, right? Had that girl, had I told that girl, hey, you know what? I want to bless you with the with $1,000 seed, but I can't give you this $1,000, daughter. Until after you're off the clock. I need you to wait 15 minutes for this blessing. She would have waited the whole 15 minutes. Like, oh, I can wait the whole 15 minutes if I'm getting something. So what am I saying, man? Like, let's be better givers than we are receivers. Let's give with our whole hearts. Let's not cut people short on their time, right? Give the same way you want to receive. Matter of fact, you know if you had a taste for biscuits at 1045, biscuits can't take 15 minutes to make, okay? Not at a fast food restaurant. Come on now. Biscuits take about three minutes to make. So what did you got to put 16 biscuits in there just to get me my two? Well, you and Johnny take the biscuits home like y'all probably already got some unpacked anyway, okay? I used to work there. You got the biscuits. You got pies and parfaits and all type of stuff over there. And the franchise owner don't know that you're taking biscuits home every night, okay? Thighs, legs, and everything else. You, you got them in the bag ready to go. Whew, okay. Now that we're beyond that, I just want us to be givers. And I want us to give at an excellent level, at a high level. Let's stop being low-level givers. Thanksgiving. Thank you with your actions. Lord, I'm going to live for you and give you everything I got. The same way I want to receive from you, Father, I'm going to give. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God's you, people, Jesus. I hope you are enjoying today's show. And if you are, look, man, don't be shy. I keep telling y'all, I have an email. It's me responding. So send me an email at Music at gmail.com. Again, Jermaine, J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E, Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N, 
music at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the show. And I will ask you one good favor during this Thanksgiving holiday season. Tell a friend, a family member, a coworker about the show. Uh, you listening right now and you enjoying it, you being blessed. So make sure you spread the word and tell someone else that, hey, right from your cell phone, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and search Inspire Guys People. It is going to bless you. And uh, yeah, you're going to like this guy. He can't always talk, but yeah, it's something about the guy I like. Anyway, you don't have to say that last part, but I do appreciate you. Much love always. Again, Jermaine Wilson Music at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me interview you. Here's what we gonna do. You gonna talk to me and I'm gonna talk to you. Maybe on the phone or possibly in person. Either way it goes, we gonna be talking purpose. All right, God's people. I am excited today. We have a great guest. Um, Y'all know I say that all the time, whether I know people personally or not, which I don't have the privilege of knowing um, this great guy uh, personally. But I do know his sons, a couple of his sons. So I'm excited to welcome to Inspire Guys People, the podcast, Pastor Rick Sykes. How you doing today, Pastor Rick? Oh, man, I'm doing wonderful. Um, How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's been a long day today. Um, crazy things going on in the work world. Um, but it's always a pleasure to be able to come into the studio and record one of these shows. So, you know, hopefully you can inspire me today. That's that's what's going to happen. I'm, I got faith that you're going to inspire me and I'm going to have a great night because I got more work to do after this call. So, OK, well, thank you very much for having me on. And hopefully we can uh, inspire and challenge each other to do greater and better things, you know. Amen. Amen. So let's jump right into it, Pastor Rick. Um, you know, I have the privilege of knowing a couple of your sons. I know Julian, uh, which we've hooped together a little bit. He's younger than I am. So, um, you know, he's a good hooper, though. Julian, Julian got game. So we played ball, um, you know, at the gym, at the church um, quite a few times with my brother Darius. And then also um, your son. Um, why is his name slipping my mind? You got you got like six kids and. I can't even think of my boy, the um, the one that played bass. I'm tripping. Oh, Christian. Christian, yeah, my bad, Chris. Man, I'm really yeah, tripping, Christian. bro. I couldn't. It wasn't hitting me at the time, but no, really. Um, I'll tell you this, just from what I know about your sons, really cool guys, really genuine guys. Um, you know the type of people you meet and you just like them, and you kind of have a feeling that they came from a good family and a good background. Uh, Christian has played the bass for me several times. Um, you know, as I've done some music and things, the last time I think we were, uh, it was a youth conference last year, um, in Detroit and it was late. I went up at like midnight to preach and to rap, but we had a great time. So, um, that's just to give the audience a little bit of perspective of how, you know, I don't know you, but I'm connected in that way, knowing a couple of your sons. Um, but let's find out a little bit about you, Pastor Rick. Can you kind of start off and tell us like, who were you when you were younger, whether that's like high school, college? What was your swag, your reputation? Um, before you were Pastor Rick, you were who? Man, uh, well, um, Rick Sykes, uh, let me uh, kind of just set this in. Let, let me just set everything up. So last Saturday on November the 14th, uh, 2020, my wife and I, we celebrated 33 years of marriage. And um, Congratulations. And we, 
Yeah, and, and the week before then, I had, you know, the Lord blessed me to turn 53. So I've been married over half of my life. Wow. Uh, the reason why I'm starting with that is because last Saturday, uh, we were planning on going out of town, but be, but because of the COVID situation, we, we, you know, we stayed at home. And so I had been planning this big thing for the wife. Uh, and so it's actually uh, blowing up right now. I did phases. Um, she didn't plan anything. I planned everything. I, I, I planned from the time we got up until we went out to dinner. And so uh, um, uh, the fourth phase, I'm kind of speeding it up. Uh, I did a uh, an, uh, an impression or a lip, a lip sync, a song that was written back in 1973 by the, by, um, uh, by the Miracles. And it was called Love Machine. And and I had ordered this hat, this pink hat and everything like that. And we were in the car and whatever, 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 you know, and I was singing Love Machine to her and letting her know how much I love her because it was her day. Well, the reason I'm starting that off, uh, off my mother, because um, uh, it's, it's actually on Facebook, my mother sent me a message and saying, you was always like that. So what she meant was, was that, Every since I was a, ever since I was, ever since I could remember, I was always an entertainer. So my family are entertainers. So my mother, uh, uh, her sister, my grandmother, they were cortex single gospel, gospel singers. Uh, my, my family's from North Carolina. My grandmother moved up here from North Carolina in 1955. Uh, and she sent for my mother and her and my aunt and, and my uncle. They came up to Detroit back in like late, uh, the late fifties, early sixties. So they came during the time of Motown. So my mother, so my, so my mother, my grandmother, they were all in music. And I can remember my mother and my aunt performing all the time, especially during, uh, when they left the church and they started singing in uh, cabarets and nightclubs or whatever. So, yeah. uh, the reason why I say that is because, um, um, what happened Saturday was nothing more than a culmination of how I grew up, you know? So, um, I was born in 1967, four months after the Detroit riots. Uh, and I, I came from a single parent home. Um, I have, it's, it's five of us and I'm in the middle. Uh, I just lost a brother last year. Uh, Sorry we came up doing a time. Yeah. Doing a, uh, we, we came up during a time, um, especially, especially our teenage years, we, we came up during, during a time where, you know, drugs, uh, you know, young boys incorporated drugs was very heavy, uh, throughout the different urban communities. Uh, and we seen a lot, uh, we, we heard a lot, uh, we witnessed a lot, uh, we were involved in a lot. And so my mother had the balance between, you know, her working and raising, uh, five boys and two of my older brother went to go live with my grandparents, uh, but it was a challenge because during the height of the eighties, uh, we found ourselves, I found myself really getting involved with a lot of mischiefs, even though I love music and I was putting on little concerts in the backyard. I was, you know, I was performing for my mother, Marvin Gaye and all that stuff. I started getting involved with, you know, selling drugs and, you know, all the other stuff. And then, uh, um, you know, and then something miraculously happened. Um, um, I was, um, you know, I became a Christian. My, my grandmother was a, a church woman. She became a, she received Christ back in the seventies. She became a church, uh, a, a church woman. Uh, we, we always went to church back then. Everybody went to church. Um, uh, but, uh, during the eighties, 
uh, when this, when, when, uh, I like to call it my Isaiah six experience. Um, it just something miraculously happened to me. I went to go live with my grandmother because from that point on, I was doing a lot of ungodly stuff, a lot of ungodly. So I, I was getting my, at the age of 13 and 14 years old, I would hang out at parties, but I start doing things that were very um, dangerous, uh, very uh, uh, mis- uh, mischief and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God, but God through his grace and his infinite uh, uh, mercy rescued me from there. So grew up in city Detroit, single parent home, uh, became a Christian at 15 years old, 15 years old. And that's, that is when things start changing in my life. You know. Wow, man. So, 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 so I hope I gave you that much. And actually, let me back up. My, my, uh, uh, all of my brothers, my two older brothers, have the same father. I have a different father, and my two younger brothers, we, uh, they have different fathers. So we, so my mother back in the seventies, sixties, and seventies, she was hanging out, and a lot of times she would tell us, you know, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of regrets, and so, um, so us having different fathers that played a role into how we fought. And my father so happened to be the black sheep because he was in and out of prison all the time. Nobody liked him. Uh, and so he was a very dangerous man back in the, you know, especially the early seventies, he was a gangster. Uh, and so my parents, my grandma, my grandmother and my mother, uh, never wanted me, uh, never wanted me to be around him. Uh, and so there were a whole lot of other dynamics that played that, that played into how I grew up. You know, so I kind of wanted to throw that in there, yeah. that piece in there, and then we'll culminate to the rest of the things, you know. No, yeah, that's that's a good intro, man. Like, um, just thinking about um, how our youth can shape us and um, not always, like, you know, you go through things and, and I always feel torn, I guess, um, with, like, some of the challenges we go through in life because as tough as some of those things are, a lot of times it's those challenges that mold you um, into being the type of person that wants to be better and wants, you know, greater. I know just for myself growing up on the east side of Detroit and all of the things that I saw growing up, like it always it it was like it gave me a fire like to all like to strive for better. And the crazy thing about it is I still feel that fire burning today where it's like, it's still driving me, like remembering being young, remembering the things and uh, people that I uh, ne- didn't necessarily see get killed with my own eyes, but people I went to school with, you know, in middle school and, and the next day you like, oh man, such and such, you know, what happened to him or high school? Like, and they got killed, you know? So um, I'm curious with that being said, how did some of those things like shape you and push you um, to want to be better or, or did they, you know, did you have a different response? Cause when I hear you say like, you know, the single parent home with five boys and you the middle one and your dad was the black sheep in and out of prison, that sounds really rough. And I know we're going to talk about your family, um, you know, shortly in this interview, but I just want to know, just generally speaking, is that a motivating factor for you? Um, the things that you went through and some of the challenges and, and, you know, tough things you saw growing up in Detroit. Well, uh, man, that's a, that, that's a really powerful question and a good question. Uh, I want to say this. I want to I want to uh, preface it. I want to say this, and I'm, then I'm gonna answer your question more directly. Uh, so, um, my uh, 
my third, my fourth son, who plays college basketball, uh, he was. Uh, this is this is about maybe about one or two years ago, and uh, he was uh, he loved Tupac for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason, he just loved Tupac. You know, and he wasn't even, he wasn't even born. Right, and, you know, right. so anyway, he's uh, I'm taking him to practice one day, and he's listening to a Tupac song. And the song that he was, the song that he was listening to, was called "Dear Mama." Yeah. Well, here I am, a pastor, someone who is has a master's degree in, in theology, someone who loves to preach, who loves to teach. Uh, when he played "Dear Mama," I literally start crying. Wow. And my son looked at me and said, "He said, what's wrong with you, Dad?" I start crying, and I and I'm like, "Man, here's this man of God." And, you know, when you mention Tupac, you mention gangsterism, thug life, whatever, yeah. you know. And But I start listening to his words. And I'm like, wow. And that song resonated with me because I was in that world. Yeah, it's a relatability I, 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 for I, I, you. I, I got you. Yeah, yeah it, I was in that world. And I'm, like, confused. I'm crying because the song said, Dear Mama, and I know how what my mother went through and my father being in and out of prison and all the things that my brothers and I had to deal with, you know? And so I cried. So let me, so I said that to say this. So, um, I must honestly say that Christ was the motivating factor in me wanting to be different. I, 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 I must say that, you know, um, I, I, you know, if, if it, if it, if it wasn't for, um, um, I believe, you know, I, I'm, I choose my words very carefully, mm -hmm. but I remember at 14, maybe 14 years old, and, I took, and to this day, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that spoke to me because I was doing some crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. I heard a voice say that if you don't go and live with your grandmother now, you will be at the point of no return. Man. That's the voice I heard. I heard, I'm telling you, I heard that voice just like I'm talking to you. It's clear yeah. as day. And I never wanted to go live with my grandmother. I called her. I said, Grandma, I'm living with you. I'm coming to stand with you. I went to go live with my grandmother. Uh, I knew a couple of things. Number one, I had to buy by her rules. Number two, I had to go to church. That was, that was a, so when I went to church, and of all the times I went to church, it was something different about this particular time. Because now at 15 years old, I'm paying attention to everything the preacher, the minister is saying, and I'm seeing families and I'm seeing, I'm seeing all this thing that I had never saw before. It's like, it was brand new to me. And that's what I wanted. I wanted, I, you know, I saw a husband and wife with children and I said, man, I want that. So, I, so it, it, it all boils down to, you know, uh, Christ, um, uh, changing my life and giving me that thirst to want to, to, to want to do a uh, better, um, and, and, and uh, first of all, to live right. That's the first thing. And to not get myself tied up in a lot of stuff. So to answer your question, uh, Christ was the motivating factor, uh, coupled with some other things that, uh, have been energizing me, uh, to do better because remember I grew up in a single parent home. Um, I didn't, um, you know, I never saw anybody graduate before. Uh, I, I, you know, I like to say this, that 
one Sunday I went to church and the church mother was acknowledging all the, all the young me, all the young people that graduated from high school. And they had all these caps on and stuff like that. I had never saw that before because nobody in my wow. family ever graduated. Wow. And so I That's was like, crazy. wow, and I, I, nobody in my family has ever graduated high school. And I'm like, wow, I had dropped out of high school when I was 14 years old, you know, and I said, wow, man, I want that. I want what they got, you know, so it boils down to um, that seed that was planted into me um, with that voice that I heard. And that is what I call my eyes, that my, my Isaiah six experience. So that's so that's one of the things that motivated me. No, I, I love you saying like Christ is the motivating factor in um, just, you know, actually laying it out as well as to why, you know, and man, I, that graduation example is all, is like amazing to me because there are some things we just assume, you know, is normal to everyone. And there's people that's listening to this show, you know, all around the, the U S and various other countries. And I'm sure to some people, they like, wow, what you never saw anybody graduate high school, but that's the, that's what I like about sitting down and, and talking to people from all walks of life on this show. And I think it's important for us as believers to hear other people's story and hear their lives. And you know what I mean? And how God um, has, has saved us all coming from all different places. So, so I like that a lot. Now, let's, now that we got an understanding of like who you were, um, I, I do want to talk about who you are. And you, you kind of alluded to um, your master's, um, I also know you have a bachelor's in business administration, um, you know, obviously being a senior pastor of the prevailing church. I mean, you're doing quite a few things. So let's let's now talk a little bit about maybe um, just you. Let, let's start with your family before we go into those things like you as a father. Right. You know, um, it sounds like, you know, just the same way you saw the graduation and, and was like, all right, I want that. You talked about going into the church and seeing families, right, and, and kind of wanting these things. So, you know, you talked about obviously being married for 33 years. Um, I'm sure, you know, just the same way as, as what you just described, that Christ is a motivating factor. But I want to just hear a little bit about, you know, your experience as, as a father, um, you know, and, and having, having children. And, and kind of, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how did you have something in you that was like, I want to make sure they don't experience what I experienced? Well, uh, yes, man, that's a powerful question. Number one, uh, I knew I got married when I was 20 years old and, um, and my wife and I, we met like the last year of high school. And so I had never saw anybody in my family, you know, especially, you know, uh, you know, my mother was never married. My aunts were never married. My, uh, so, um, nobody, so, so I didn't see that, you know, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather, um, they met in 1955, but that wasn't my, that wasn't my biological grandfather. My, my, my grandmother moved up here in 1955 because the clan was actually, uh, uh <laughs> people were looking for her because <laughs> she did something and she wow. moved up here. And I just found that out like three years ago. And that's, so that's she how she escaped. moved here from North Carolina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she actually yeah, she moved up here from North Carolina, um, um, uh, because something that she did to get away and her, her mother sent her 
uh, up north here to you know uh, to Detroit. Hey, how old was so that's how she got here. Uh, man, my, my grandmother had to be maybe about thirty years old, twenty something, thirty about thirty some years old. Okay, and so uh, so uh, so she met my my grandfather um, here, but that's not my biological grandfather. So they were they were separated. So I never. Um, you know, even though my grandfather, he was really rough and tough and whatever, uh, uh, 40-year veteran uh, for World War II, and I didn't see married couples in my house. Everybody, everybody that I saw growing up in the 70s and 80s uh, were boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever. I never saw anybody graduate. I never saw that before, you know. Uh, so when I, when, when, when I met my wife um, and I was introduced to her by some, some, uh, someone, a, a mutual friend of ours, um, I can honestly say that when I start talking with her and, uh, we just start, you know, having conversations, she was in, at a different church and, and then we start having this vibe. I knew right then and there that that was my wife. Man. I knew right then and there that I wanted to be married because there was, there was a part of her that represented stability to me in my life. There was something about her that makes sense that I needed, you know, and because she had came from a stable family. So here you have a guy that comes from a broken family, but my wife was had came from a stable family, although her mother filed a divorce at a, at a later time. Time, so we ended up getting married. My uh, my wife was accepted at uh, LSU, and uh, she she didn't go. She stayed home here in here in, in Detroit. She went to Mary Grove. I was accepted at a at a smaller college business school, and so we graduated together in '86, and we got married in '87. I love that. I love that. So I was so I was twenty. She was nineteen, and I was locked in. I was. I mean, when I say I was locked in, uh, because number one, I wasn't a player. Uh, I didn't want that life. I wanted somebody stable in my life, and so it was on and popping then. So we started, you know, having have, having children, and uh, and 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 one thing that I wanted to do when I had my first, when, when she had our first son, I said to myself that my children will never e experience what I experienced, especially as it relates to not having a father. Man. I, because they have no, I, they, and I'm about to cry, man. They have no idea. I, you know, I tell Julie and them, Julie, I got, you know, I got five sons and one girl. But I, I said, man, y'all, you, you all don't have no idea on what it's like to grow up without a father. And I'm, Jay Wood, I'm talking about a guy that experienced emptiness. Yeah. It's not like a, it's not like a moxy, a oxymoron or a contradiction. What I'm about to say, but when I, but at 20 years old till about 30, 35, there was an emptiness in me because I never had a man to validate me. Man. I never had anybody, nobody has ever told me, the, the, only, the only people that in my life that told me at a young age they was proud of me was my mother, my grandmother. Nobody ever told me, a man ever told me, man, I'm proud of you. Everything I, had, everything I learned was off the fly. Everything I learned was looking at other men in the church. So I made a determined, a conscious effort, a, a, a conscious effort and a conservative effort to say, hey, this is my first son, I'm here. I'm, I ain't going nowhere. That that's, you know, that's powerful uh, though. Like just, just being there, right? Like that's not something to overlook. Is like, man, I'm I'm here, and it's so many times yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that they don't have that. 
Yeah, I'm here. You know, I, I, you know, I was very, I was very good at sports, extremely good at sports, very good at sports. But I didn't have anybody take me to practice. I mean, nobody ever came to my games. Uh, you know, and my two older brothers, they were doing anything was, you know, doing work and one selling drugs and one was in prison. So I, so, so, so I really. I, you know, I, I didn't have any motive. I, I didn't have any motivator. So, had my we, had, we so we had our first son, and I was there. I was there with the day that he was the day that he was born. I seen him come out of the womb. Everything. I was the first one that held him. Everything. The first one that held. Him. He was the first person uh, that he, he he smiled at me first. Um, <laughs> and then when we had the second, you know, Julian. That's when Julian came. You know, I was there when he was born. Uh, with my third son, I was there when he was born. When my daughter came because we, we, you know, we were pushing for a girl. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was there when she was born. Uh, and when my um, fourth son was born, I was there when he was born. Uh, when my last son, when our last son was born, she had a C-section. And even though I was there at the hospital with her, whatever, uh, didn't get a chance to see the C-section. So the, the the presence of me being there from the time that they hit this earth, I was there. And I made a, a, an assertive effort, a promise, a promise that I'm here. Unless the Lord take me, until he take me, I, 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 I'm i going to be here. And I, and I, t- and I tell them, I, I, when they was growing, I told them, I said, listen, one thing you're not going to say about me, you, you can say that, you know, maybe I didn't make a lot of money, maybe... I didn't do this. I said, but you're never ever going to say that my father was never there. And, and like that you right said, there, you're never going to say that. And like you said that, you know, people don't understand the value of that. And, you know, you grow up in the inner city, you see it so much. Like it's almost normal for some people. Um, and I'm, I mean, I appreciate, you know, you know, men like yourself, fathers like yourself, um, I might have to get you connected with my homeboy, Meech. He has something called the Fathership Project, uh, which he does okay. like a podcast and some things. And he specifically deals with like um, being a father. And, and I think he would enjoy talking to you as well. That's sidebar. So I got to get y'all connected. But no, thank you for sharing that. So let's talk a little bit now about like, you know, I know you have a book, um, you know, Five Smooth Stones. And, and I want to talk about your road rage. Um project as well um don't engage in road rage so can we talk a little bit about those things and like um just kind of tell us what the what the idea and the concept is um for the book um i know that you know the subtitle says a father's quest to find himself while at the same time develop his son so i'm sure a lot of it is is about that presence and being there um but could you could you just tell us like you know a little about the book and then maybe even tell people how they can find the book well, uh, Fast Blue Stone was actually written about maybe back in 2015, 2016. I really didn't put a lot of muscle energy behind it. I had won a book deal from a company. And so when it first came out, I really didn't put a lot of, a lot of energy behind it. But when things start to happen with regard to what's going on around our world, and specifically, more specifically, if you will, African-American males, I thought this, this was a great opportunity for me to kind of revisit it, redefine it, and just and just and just really build upon it. So, Five Smooth Stone: The Rebirth was is is really about my quest in developing and raising my five sons, and and I wanted to have real conversations. So, I take things that I take real life situations that occur in our life, and 
I write about it. So I don't want I don't want people to ever think that you know uh, just because I'm a pastor, uh, I've been married 33 years, all this stuff that we didn't have issues, we didn't have problems or whatever. I talk about a lot of things. I talk about the challenges of, of them dealing with racism, the challenge of them dealing with making great decisions. Uh, I talked about the importance of education, the importance of, of uh, you know, uh, of sanctity in, in, in marriage. You know, I talked about, so I kind of pick and choose different segments of their life and different things that have happened and put it in a book. And really the book is about shaping them and molding them uh, to become not what I want them to become, but what God would have them to be, uh, to be um, um, a, a, a true representative and to make their mark in the world today. So we talk a lot about a lot of issues, you know, uh, I'm going to give you a prime, I'm, I'm going to give you a prime example. And I go right into the road rage thing. Uh, and I had to get Julian permission from this. Uh, Julian, <laughs> got accepted. Junior got accepted to play basketball uh, in Chicago. And so um, a week before he, a week before he's supposed to leave, he, we, you know, we let him use the car. He was going all day and he uh, ended up, he was drinking and driving. He got stopped by police officer. It was 10. Uh, it, was, it was like five police cars out there in the suburban Detroit, Bluefield Hills, Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, and so it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. We get a call. It's an officer uh, on the phone and said, is this Mr. Syke? I said, yes. He said, well, we got your cell. We pulled him over. Uh, can you uh, come down and get here? We don't want to tow your car. That's about $10,000. So we drive. We're going to pick him up. My wife get out the car, man. She's about to strangle him, whatever. <laughs> you know. And so uh, she, she's mad. She's upset. And, and so I talk about that. And then so we went home, and I said, so first of all, uh, I'm very, I'm angry, but understand that one bad decision could have wrecked your whole life and wreck anybody else's life off of one bad decision. I made him apologize to every police officer for, and the reason why they gave him a break because they recognized him from the game, basketball games and football games that he played. Wow. They recognized his name. So they gave him breaks, you know? So, so I got that in the book. I got it in the book with my son, my oldest son was playing uh, semi-pro football. He was involved in a car uh, accident. He was T-boned by a truck. Uh, he's now living with t traumatic brain injury. He's in music, but God has really blessed him and he's married. And he's doing wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are you look stories like that, you know, and, and experiences like that definitely uh, can help people. And I love like that you, you know, the idea behind the title of like five smooth stones and molding them not into what you want them to be, but into what God called them to be. And I think as you know, you know me, I, I don't have children yet. But when I look at, you know, some of the young parents my age around me, sometimes I think that, you know, people have forgotten what the purpose of being a parent is. And sometimes yeah. they get so caught up in their own lives and their own ambition and the things that they want to do that they're not recognizing that every single moment in your child's life is an opportunity to mold them every single day. Every single moment is an opportunity to mold them. And sometimes my heart goes out because I see so many young people and I can see the mistakes that they're making and what it's going to lead to. Um, so it's just hopefully anyone listening to this will understand, like, you know, treat your children like a like a, a smooth stone, like a like like clay that you're molding. And again, not to who you want them to be, 
right? Because some of us can get selfish. I can imagine how it could have been easy, especially for somebody like yourself who grew up as an athlete um, and couldn't pursue um, your athletic dreams and maybe want to, you know, push your son certain ways. But to know that we're becoming who God called us to be um, really is an amazing thing. So, no, that's great. So let's hear a little bit before we go um, about this don't engage in road rage. Um, when I saw that, I was like, man, I want to know more about that um, and, and kind of what made you even go down the path of creating something with that title. Well, uh, you know, in the scripture, the Bible talks about God give people witty inventions and inspirations. And so uh, I was in, I was involved with a couple of situations that could have went south uh, with regard to road rage. And um, and so I, I didn't want to get into that. Um, and I wasn't a perpetrator, you know, so mm-hmm. I was kind of like the victim or whatever, uh, being uh, almost ran off the road or being wow. followed, whatever. And so one day um, I... Uh, uh, I started really examining road rage. I started looking. For some reason, road rage just popped up, and I started doing research. I started studying, and I started looking at it, and I kept hearing, you know, watching the news, and I kept hearing road rage, road rage, road rage. And so I started doing my own personal research, and I found out that road rage is one of the fastest-growing epidemics across the United States, you know, and so I said, "Wow!" And then I saw then then uh, then I found out that there was no there was nothing out there that was promoting road rage awareness or education. You know, we talk about cancer, we talk about financial stewardship, we talk about you know uh, uh, you know different types of uh, you know uh, 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 agendas that people are promoting, whether it's racial equality or whatever. But nobody was out there talking about road rage and how it, how it has affected people and people have literally been murdered. Uh, and the thing that stuck out to me was a young lady, you can look her up, social media. Uh, she was like 2017 in July. She was a high school graduate and she was actually killed. She was, she was murdered uh, because he accidentally, but then turned on a blinker and this guy followed her and shot her and she was accepted into college, but she was actually murdered. And so, Man. so, so, so one day I'm at, I'm at Sam's club and I just took my, uh, just took my, I was writing my notes down. I put don't engage in rail rage. I just wrote it down. And I just start, I start writing, writing things down. I was like, wow, you know, I start really promoting this. And then I start looking in the Bible about rage and anger and stuff like that. And so I start looking, I start tying all these pieces together. And I said, wow, there's nobody really talking about road rage. So uh, 2006, matter of fact, this is our fourth year. In 2016, we actually got Don't Engage, Don't Engage in World Rage trademark. Uh, it is a federal brand. We actually established a company uh, to promote road rage awareness uh, in terms of education, uh, resources, awareness, safety, et cetera. And uh, we're looking to get in schools, whatever. We do have a logo. Uh, my son, Christian, actually developed the logo for us. So the logo that you see is, is actually, he's a graphic artist. He developed the logo. So for the last four years, it, it's been evolving to the point where um, the Red Wings, Detroit Red Wings, they partnered with me to have a Road Rage Awareness Night at Little Caesars Arena. Nice. Okay? Um, the Detroit Pistons, uh, they met with me. And prior to COVID happening, we had a Road Rage Awareness Night at Little Caesars Arena. It was the Clippers against the Pistons. as when we Road Rage Awareness Night. But when COVID happened, it shut everything down. Uh, we met with the Tigers. The Tigers 
want to do a real, a real wage awareness day at Comerica Park. You know, um, we had a meeting last week with Converse, Converse like our idea. Uh, and so we had a meeting with them last week, just last week, Converse last week with them taking on this, on, on this, uh, objective, um, to really talk about road rage, uh, in a form of education, going into school, educating people, providing resources. And so there's a whole lot of things that yeah. we're working on. We, we're working on it. We're actually working on the app, everything like that. And so, um, so I thank God, thank Christ. And I think that, uh, in all honesty, um, this road rage awareness campaign that I'm on has opened the doors for me to minister, to witness to more people than ever. And see, that's what that's what people don't realize sometimes about really operating in your purpose. It, it's not, yeah. it, you know, you know, people can hear the the big names, which are amazing. Right. But it's what we do when we get there. So I like that you pointed that out. It's like. So many times when God opens a door for us, we think it's an opportunity for us to wild out or stunt and brag. But really what's happening when God opens doors is he's also opening doors for you to create disciples. That's really the great commission and what we should be always looking for opportunities to do. And so I love, though, like, you know, just this. First of all, it's just a great idea, like roadway rage awareness. I could tell you that I've seen some things in my life on the road that have blown me away. And, you know, you, I think what happens is, man, it's similar to what you said to Julian when he, you know, had his encounter. One bad decision, you can ruin your life and someone else's life. And some of the things with road rage, I think what happens is people allow pride and anger to take over a moment and stop you from thinking. And, and without thinking, you're about to make a decision through that pride, right, and that arrogance because, you know, you looking at the next person, everybody wants to prove that they're big and bad. But ultimately, man, it's never worth it. Like, I've had people, you know, flick me off or do little things, and it's like I had to just start almost laughing at stuff because, like you said, the, the whole point is don't engage because if you allow yourself to be angry, like, for simple stuff, like, you didn't put on your blinker, I'm going to murder you, that's crazy. Exactly. Like, it, you know, it doesn't make sense. And then what I want to say is to you, we, we're actually rebranding because uh, I didn't realize how big it. I didn't realize now I have to now I have to hire a person do a rebranding for us because I kind of took it as far as I can take it. So now we're actually re-examining re-examining it so that we can bring in a marketing person to really expand it. And I found this out doing my research and doing my conversation with Converse. And you can look up, you can look this up on social media, Google, whatever. Millennials represent fifty-one percent of the population. I mean, fifty percent of road rage cases now. Wow, fifty-one percent. Yeah, you and it's know, growing because it's the <laughs> because of stress. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Because of stress, and what else are you gonna say? Because of stress, uh, you know, inexperience, uh, don't know, you know, just really pride. You know, uh, a lot of other factors, but 51% of cases now are, are, um, attributed to, uh, millennials, um, and, uh, something else. Oh, and COVID-19 has played a role into road rage increasing as well. There was a study so, that was done wow. uh, in, the, in September that I, that I actually uh, pulled off and, uh, 
uh, uh, keeping my files, my records, so I can kind of build off of it. COVID-19 now is playing a role into road rage because of frustration uh, and a lot of other stuff is going on with regard to people being, you know, um, you know, uh, stuck in the house. You know what, like, too, as believers, right, I love this topic, man. This is dope. Like, as believers, I think if we should, if we're not doing anything else this year, we need to be regrounding ourselves in the word of God in every area of our lives and guarding our minds. Because I think sometimes we don't realize how important the mind is, right? Like, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How you think about every little thing matters. And even with this COVID stuff that I know has been challenging for a lot of people and I always tell people I'm not trying to, um, you know, dismiss it or minimize it. But at the same time, we can't use anything as an excuse to veer away from the word and the foundation of God, of Jesus Christ, because as believers, right, we need to be thinking as believers all the time, man. And you can't have COVID having you so messed up that you out here about to really engage in, in some antichrist activity, not being God, like, uh, looking to hurt someone, um, over it. So, so I think what you're doing is amazing and really important. Um, and I'm, you know, hoping to praying that we see a lot more, uh, from this don't engage in road rage campaign. Um, you said an app is coming. Is there a website yet, or is that in development as well? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can go on www.dontengage.org. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, you go on Facebook. Just type in "Don't Engage in Road Rage." Uh, an article was written about, uh, about me to Empower Magazine, based out in uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, and so we are we really doing a lot of great things right now. We're just kind of rebranding it. Uh, I never thought I would say I needed to hire somebody. <laughs> That, that's... I never thought I would ever. I never thought you would say I like hire somebody, um, but I gotta hire somebody because I had some people that looked at my package and looked at what I had, looked at what I've done, and said, "Listen, your idea is great, Pat. You laid the groundwork. Now let's bring a marketing person in here to take it to the next level because everything you can't do yourself. When God gives you a vision, a lot of uh, most of the time, you know, it's for other people to be a part of what, a part of the vision that God has given you. You know, you can't do everything." Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I always tell people too, like, you know, we quote scriptures all the time. Um, the head, not the tail. I want to be the lender, not the borrower, right? Well, it's like, well, in order to do that, <laughs> right? If you if you want to be the employer and not the employee, um, walking in your purpose is part of that and, and allowing God to use you um, to hire and to be um, the employer in a situation. So congratulations to you for that. And we just praying you know, at Inspire God's People, that that continues to grow, man. So I'm going to be looking out for it. Um, it's, you know, one of my favorite things and just I, I work in business partnerships um, and in development. And one of the one of the best things that I, I see is when a business grows and when people experience what you experience in now, where it's like you're having conversations. And now now the the, the crazy thing about it is growth becomes the problem. And that's a good problem to have. Right? Oh, man, I like that. Like, like, growth is my problem. I see this all the time where it's like, oh, man, like, I'm talking to people and it's like, oh, man, we don't know what to do. We got to, like, oh, now we got this money and we got to bring in these people or now we have these partnerships. But it's an amazing part of business and it's one of the main reasons that I like talking about business. And I also believe that there are so many biblical principles rooted in business and doing business the right way 
And, and things like this is a great example because you said something. You said this don't engage in road rage campaign has opened up the door for more opportunities for you to minister to people than you would have thought. And that's what it's and, all you know, about. Uh, 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 Jay Will, I'm, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to thank you for that. Uh, let's say the Detroit Pistons. Do you not know that they, they're calling me? Yeah. I'm not, they, they <laughs> initially our meeting was with each other, but they're calling me saying, Sykes, we got to do something, man. We got to do something. We want to help you. We want to push you. We want to push you, push you. They're calling me now. Most of them working from home. Tigers called me two weeks ago. Hey, uh, you know, we, we, we want to do this. So when you got people calling you, yeah, you're not calling them. That's another thing. So, and last thing I like to say, and I'm, I'm sorry about cutting you off. Um, no, you're good. That even, even with COVID-19 was happening with all of that. And, I'm, and uh, you know, I, I love your conversation. I, I, you know, I love your position. Uh, I'm doing like the Apostle Paul did. Here's a man who is sitting in prison and not knowing from day to day when Nero was going to lift his head off his shoulder. Man. And yet and still, in the book of Philippians, he talks about joy. He talks about for me to live as Christ to die as gain. Uh, he talked about he, he was so uh, optimistic about the gospel. He was so optimistic. So what I'm saying is this. COVID-19 is an issue. Silver and social rest is an issue. But Christ is my focus. That's what it's all about. Christ right is there. my focus. And, and, and the thing about it is, I'm looking at this as, okay, God, what are you doing? And I, I, I was praying the other day, Jay Will, and I must say this, now I promise you, I am going to quit talking. <laughs> I, I'm giving, I was cool. praying the other day. It's cool. I was praying the other day. I began to thank God. I said, Lord, thank you for preordaining me, for preparing me to minister during this dispensation. Yep. You chose me. You single-handedly picked me out, handpicked me to pastor, to minister, to witness, to preach, to raise my family in the midst of all of this. And I thank you. And look, thank you. That is that's what I call perspective, because perspective is nothing but the angle, like how you view something, right? And we can be looking at the same exact thing and have a different perspective on it. And then that perspective will create a different experience. And so, yes, we're all looking at the same thing. We're all living in a pandemic. And again, I continue to tell people, we're not trying to minimize anything, but you talked about it. You wrote in your book, the experiences and the challenges that you've gone through in life. Like you said, hey, just cause I, you have been married 33 years and you're a pastor and have a degree, it does not mean that your life comes without challenges or without tough times or tough days. And so I think what people need to understand is that the challenges are not a good enough excuse for us to walk away from the will and purpose of God. And I can't stress to believers enough. And I hear those numbers that you talk about with millennials um, as it relates to road rage. And that tells me something deeper. That tells me it's how we're thinking these days, you know, and I'm an older yeah. millennial. I'm at the top, top end of millennial. And <laughs> it, but it, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's the thought process that goes into how people think these days that's causing us to engage in crazy activity. 
And a lot of the things we are engaging in is a reflection of the fact that we have walked away from the foundation of God. You said something earlier. You said earlier, you always went to church. Back then, everybody went to church. And I'm not saying just going to church is enough, but it is something to be said about back even when I was younger, that if people rolled past the church, they turned down their music. There was a certain level of respect and reverence for God that if we're being honest, in, with the millennial generation in particular and beyond, it doesn't exist the same way. And so as an older millennial, I get it. I'm barely in there. But as a millennial, I'm, I'm just urging the listeners, man, let's get back to the foundation of Christ and let that guard our minds. Uh, Pastor Rick, I'm going to give you the last word before we get out of here. Uh, however you want to end, you want to tell people how to find you. Um, I know you said that the website is don'tengage.org. But um, just give us the last word, and, you know, this has been amazing. I definitely appreciate your time. Well, you can purchase the book, Five Smooth Stones, The Rebirth. You can purchase it at Amazon, um, also uh, uh, Barnes & Noble, um, and uh, ZulonPress.org, uh, Zulon, X-U-L-O-N. Um, you can just go and just, just actually download it. You can download it on your Kindle or whatever. You order the book. Uh, and uh, it's a wonderful book, easy read. Um, Don't engage the real rage. Um, that is coming along. We thank God for that. Uh, what else? Uh, I would just encourage the people that, uh, in spite of the challenges that we are facing in our country today, around uh, in our country today, uh, from a, a myriad of things, always know that uh, Christ, uh, God, is in control. You know, He's sovereign. He's Lord. Uh, none of this took Him by surprise. All we have to do is to, is to remain focused, understand our purposes, purpose, and understand that we have been called and chosen to be light and salt. So that's pretty much it. Amen. You can't surprise God. I like that. Pastor Rick, yeah. thank you so much for joining the show. God bless you. Much love to you and the family. And, uh, you know, hopefully we have to talk again soon sometime. Guys, people, thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed what you heard, subscribe at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That way you can hear the show every single week. Also, you can find us at inspireguyspeople.com. Hit the drop-down box and select podcast. Yo, email me, Music at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about the show. What type of topics and interviews do you want to hear next? And always remember, if you don't like me, just act like you like me. If you're looking for me, I'm be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I serve below the surface. It's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world. Look in the sky, there ain't no stars in it. The art is all natural and authentic. Rivers of love, we swimming for us. We can't drown if we fall in it. If you looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I surf below the surface, it's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world.